Welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, once again bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week we're talking with writer Preston Jones about his new column, Sounds Like Oklahoma, and why there's something special about outdoor shows. But before that, let's get into our question of the week. Which Oklahoma musician exemplifies the Oklahoma sound for you? First up is Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. This is such a hard one because there's so many Oklahoma musicians I love. So I, I, I narrowed it down to two. Uh, one is someone everybody knows, Roger Miller. Yeah. Um, something about him, something about his music just sounds so Oklahoma to me. And I, I just, and also he, he sort of straddled genres in a big way, you know. I mean, he had pop hits, he had country hits, he wrote a Tony award-winning Broadway musical. I mean, he just kind of, he sort of exemplifies everything that, that is cool musically out of Oklahoma. But also, um, there's so many local artists who do that for me as well. And one of the big ones that I really love is Bo Jennings. Yeah. His, uh, something about the way his music sounds feels just very, very essentially Oklahoma to me. Hmm. So those are the two people I would recommend that I would say exemplify the Oklahoma sound. Okay. Managing editor yeah. Carly Ibarra. I agree. This was a very hard question, but um, I settled on Carter Sampson because there's just something so like organic and refreshing and friendly and open about her voice. And she also has a song called Queen of Oklahoma. So, you know, (laughs) clearly written about you. (laughs) I wish. Uh, Photo editor Megan Rossman. Um, I don't really feel like there is an Oklahoma sound, um, not to be contrarian or anything. Well, I mean, that's, I guess, what I'm doing. <laughs> but Not to invalidate this question, but let me invalidate this question. Yeah. Well, I, I think that there's so much diversity in the music here, it's hard to really say that there is an Oklahoma sound. Um, but I would say at one time, I think it was maybe Woody Guthrie. Hmm. Now... Um, I'm not really sure because there are so many people. I do like that. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. I like him so much, but I'm blanking on his name. Uh, red hair. Uh, no, he's he's a man. He's a man with red hair. And and anyway, I like him. And. This has I, been your mother telling you yeah. about the music she liked. Uh, John Fulbright. John oh, no. Fulbright. <laughs> yes, that's, that was one of the ones. That was yes. one of the ones I almost said actually, because he he is his sound is very very Oklahoma. But also, but some of my favorites also are uh, Lee Hazelwood. Mm. I love I love some old Lee Hazelwood. Uh, Kings Leon and Saint Vincent. If you if you count, I'm a little count. on the fence about if Saint yes. Vincent actually is an Oklahoman. See, I would say St. Vincent counts more than Kings of Leon. Hmm. Because she was, she like spent time growing up here. And they have a song about not wanting to stay in Talamina though. That's true. They do. I don't know. They both feel, I I would, I would count both of them. Okay. Then we will. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Research editor Ben Lucian, how about you? The Oklahoma sound, that's just like the Saturday tornado siren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, when I think of um, when I think of the Oklahoma uh, musical sound, I think of just the state's great um, songwriting tradition. Mm. And uh, personally, right now, uh, for uh, active artists, the one uh, that I'm most excited about is uh, John Moreland. Mm. Um, mm. I just I love his songwriting craft. Um, and he weaves uh, the state and and uh, its uh, cities and um, various uh, tidbits into his his songs as well, which um, 
it just helps. Uh, it stands out to me. And he's also, he's in his feelings a lot. And as a person who's also in his feelings a lot, <laughs> I can relate. So. <laughs> he's talent, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm pretty mad at you, Nate, for just completely trampling over mine. Because I, I was oh, going to say Roger Miller. Um, uh, one thing. King of the Road is like my favorite it, song of all it's time. So, it, I love it so Dang much. Me is up there real oh, high for me. Yeah. I love Dang Me. Uh, Megan, one thing that you had mentioned in this, you'll hear more about this uh, in our interview with Preston, but but it truly is the idea that, that the Oklahoma sound is so hard to pin down because mm-hmm. we have... Uh, so many different genres and and the genres mix here and so that mm. was kind of where I came from with Roger Miller. Um, he he had catchy poppy country rock. Uh, you know some of them were kind of topical and relatable like King of the Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were silly. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. <laughs> um, and, and and then this is a good excuse to unleash one of my all time favorite lyrics of his. <clears throat> Roses are red and violets are purple and sugar's sweet and so's maple purple. Uh, just always, always loved that so much. Uh, here is what uh, our friends online had to say. Terry Hunter brought up uh, John Fulbright and Carter Sampson. So oh, um, uh, uh, Preston Lee said Kyle Dillingham. That's uh, oh, we yeah. love Kyle. And, and, yeah. and you know that is music that also exemplifies the Oklahoma sound worldwide because mm-hmm. he is, uh, you know, he, he's traveled, uh, he's toured China and things yeah, like that. He's and, been a huge musical ambassador for the state for yeah, sure. So yeah. v- kind of an interesting idea that um, I, I, I wonder what people outside of Oklahoma think is the Oklahoma sound uh, as well. Yeah. I probably, I mean, I think most people would probably default to like Garth Brooks, Reba McIntyre, yeah. Carrie Underwood, Blake mm. Shelton, uh, the big country artists, but um that's you know, <clears throat> as we all know, that's not all of it. That's sure. not yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know who's another Chet Baker. Yes, Chet Baker's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He has jazz this, great. Chet Baker. Beautiful, Chet. romantic, mm-hmm. sad kind of music. Yeah, that I just voices. I, I it's like, haunting. Yeah, that's something that I do feel like has there's a there's just sort of a an airy, sort of haunting. I don't know. The, like I was uh, talking to um, this past week, I was working on a kind of a volunteer project with someone, and one of the other people I was working on it was uh, this guy who is who works for the Flaming Lips, and we were talking about um, my favorite album of theirs, which is At War with the Mystics. And part of the reason I love it so much is because it sounds something about it feels very Oklahoma to me. Yeah, like you drive through the Panhandle listening to that record, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is an Oklahoma album. Yeah. Um, so I, I, all of these things do have something in common, I feel like, but it's it's a little ineffable. It's a little you know, hard to describe. I, I and that kind of that same uh, patch, I think Samantha Crane is yeah, one that I, I hear a lot of that kind of Oklahoma longing yeah. uh, in her music. But I, I, I think that really comes down to what you're feeling at the moment uh, mm-hmm. and, and how that reflects uh, in the state around us. Absolutely. Uh, Deborah Myers and Lou Sabisky uh, and, and others uh, said Leon Russell. This was a very popular answer. Yeah. Leon yeah, Russell. Leon Russell. Yeah. Uh, Jeannie uh, Turman Satoris said Vince Gill. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Stephanie Bishop said Zach Bryan, who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's funny. I, maybe this is showing uh, my age as well. It's it's because uh, he's one of the younger generation that he doesn't necessarily occur to me, but he's huge right yeah. now. I mean, Zach Bryan's everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and probably for the next generation is going to be a big part of what they consider the Oklahoma sound. I think for sure. Vince Gill had an album title that to me sort of exemplifies that thing that does the best job of describing 
the Oklahoma sound, if there is one to me, and it, he has an album called High Lonesome Sound. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a beautiful phrase to kind of describe that thing that I hear when yeah. I hear something and identify it as Oklahoma. It's got something about it. I don't know. No, I, I totally get yeah. you. Well, uh, let's talk to our uh, music writer friend, Preston Jones, who is going to have a lot to say about what uh, Oklahoma sounds like. Hey, listeners. Uh, we're very, very pleased to welcome to the podcast one of our uh, favorite freelancers, the man we go to for music coverage all the time, Mr. Preston Jones. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Preston. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, uh, so readers have uh, hopefully already seen uh, in the January, February issue, you had a really great uh, story, uh, uh, Tasty Tunes, and this is kind of a new column that you're doing for us uh, called Sounds Like Oklahoma. Could you tell us a little bit kind of where the idea came from? Uh, Yeah, that's super easy. Uh, Carly actually had the idea. She reached out to me, I guess it was late in the fall last year. And asked if I would have any interest uh, in contributing a column throughout the course of this year about music specifically. And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to think about it terribly long because um, I, it's just it seemed like a really rich area that had a lot of possibility to you know touch on a lot of different things about Oklahoma music. And I think that's something I'm personally passionate about is the assumption i think for people even those who live in oklahoma is that it's kind of a monolith it's kind of one thing and that you know oklahoma music has a lot of different textures a lot of, a lot of different colors and so it'd be interesting chance to explore that absolutely well um one the so our our next issue uh gonna be hit newsstands any day now uh has your uh, your second installment uh and since it's our outdoor issue um, I, I really loved what you wrote, uh, and this was about outdoor music venues uh, throughout the state. Um, are these places that you've uh, you've been yourself many times? Yeah, I've been to not all of them, uh, but a lot, most of them in that column I've I've been to, and it's just I think there's something about you know an outdoor venue that you just it's you know it's as much about the setting as it is about the sounds kind of. And so it was really nice to sort of give people a guide to finding places to go to, you know, get out of kind of the, you know, arena show or the club show and find sort of that, that other area to enjoy music. There is something really cool about, I I think it's, it's, um, how it's almost kind of like a barbecue, you know, like you eat all the time, but there's something special about like cooking and eating outside. And the same thing with, with music, there's something about um, kind of having that extra connection to nature, the sky's open, you're surrounded by other people. It's, you know, the, the music is, is, uh, is kind of everywhere around you. Um, You know, one of the venues you mentioned uh, in this upcoming story that I am a big fan of uh, because I am a a grad from OSU is uh, is uh, uh, out there at Tumbleweeds. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Really one of the best places to for for especially for crowds. I feel like the the crowd is as important as the music a lot of times uh, with Tumbleweeds. Yeah. And I think it's one of those venues that like, you know, people who are alums are very familiar with it because I think it's really kind of stitched into Stillwater in a way that's (laughs) (laughs) just you think of that you think of Stillwater and so but for people who maybe don't know or have forgotten 
it's one of those things to me, uh, it, it may be a little too strong to call it sort of a, an overlooked gem, but it has that feel to me of like, you know, the people who know about tumbleweeds and had gone to tumbleweeds are evangelical about <laughs> tumbleweeds. Yeah, that's, that's the best way to put it. They're, they're almost yeah. zealots, you know, it's like, it's like, you yeah. want to get the tumbleweed? Right. Uh, <laughs> so it's like letting people know about the, you know, it's like it, it, they've fallen off the radar or something like that. It's like, oh, right. You know, because they do have a pretty healthy schedule of show you know like they're they're still putting out you know a ton of shows booking a ton of shows and so it's a great place for people to check out uh and absolutely one other thing uh listeners if you haven't been uh the calf fry out there is mm-hmm. uh is a huge event um uh and it's uh it started off uh with uh, uh with the calf fry and some live music and it has really kind of swapped places and at this point it's it's their massive outdoor music festival uh, yeah and and some some huge names uh some people that i was really excited to see have been playing there in the last couple of years um uh, what are some of the what are some of your favorite outdoor shows you've seen in oklahoma uh the one i always think of and i don't know this is going to date me horribly but when the flaming lips played the zoo with yeah. their ufo way back in the day <laughs> many eons ago that was sort of uh it was one of those things where we were talking about you know the unique character of an outdoor show i don't know that that show would have felt like it did if it had happened inside because i think so much of that was just seeing the flaming lips in that setting and you know it's you think i think about that show and i think about like festivals because that's another thing you like the uh what was the one i'm gonna blank on it the guthrie the gentleman of the road tour yeah yeah when that was outdoor you know it's just like things that are just sort of events i guess like these just these moments you know because it's any there's the zoo amphitheater they have shows come through all the time but it's just i think it's a rare thing to have shows like that one you know or uh the willie nelson show a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that just really sort of stick you know and that's you can't think about it without thinking about the context you know and it's that outdoor element uh ben you you are uh probably my most musically inclined uh friend and co-worker what about you what are what are some of your favorite outdoor shows my favorite outdoor shows. I mean, I think I I did go. Preston uh, mentioned it in his poem. I did go to the opening uh, of the uh, Scissor Tail Park uh, with yeah. King Leon uh, Broncho. Uh, that was that was really amazing. There were so many people there, uh, and that was really magical because um, I don't know, just having a concert in at that time, just this brand new space. Like I had hardly seen Scissor Tail Park at that point. And then to see it just, the, the lawn just filled out with thousands upon thousands of people for a free show. I mean, that was pretty special. I don't know if I can top that, you know, in the state. I'm a, I'm a huge Norman music guy. Uh, the Norman Music Fest is was one of those that every time I've been down there, um, I'm just, I'm, it, there, there's also something I love an outdoor venue, but there's also something about those those outdoor music events where it's like in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you really feel, and with Norman Music Fest, it it truly feels like music is in charge of the yeah. city. You know, like you, there's every place is is doing something. 
Um, if I mean, even if even if you're looking for someplace quiet, you have to kind of like specifically be like, look, Norman Music Fest is happening. Is there someplace I can go to think? And they're like, no. Have you tried more? Um, well, I what I love about Norman Music Fest is the experience of just sort of walking around from uh, venue to venue. Yeah. Uh, just like, and you're just walking through the streets with your friends, um, well, and then they have like friends. a big. <laughs> they had the big headlining shows at the end where you are with a lot of people yeah. uh, but there's all sorts of different like music environments like there's usually they have like uh more like acoustic type stuff in the senior theater um but then your like louder stuff will be like outside somewhere so there's just a lot of different variety that's all within this like walkable space it's kind of like a music lover's paradise to be yeah I mean, if you think about it, though, isn't that really the idea of a music festival is that I mean, to be spoiled for choice, to be able to just go here and there and no matter where you're going, you're going to see something new, somebody doing something different. Yeah, that and the food trucks. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> look, it's, you know why I went there and it was from the food truck. The music was happening. Music. And I was very pleased. But I was also like, this corn dog is very important to me. Um, I'm glad I got out of the house for this. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Preston, well, and, I am curious. So yeah. I think um, per capita, uh, Oklahoma music history, I mean, it, it's right up there. Uh, yeah. There's been a lot of legends in the state. I am wondering, can we put together like a like a Mount Rushmore, uh, Oklahoma Mount Rushmore? Because um, musical... I, I think I'll just say like, I think there's three locks. I'll just Telling my locks, yeah. then we can figure out the fourth one. Um, Woody Guthrie, I think, uh, has to be up there. First ballot, yeah. Yes, uh, this land, <laughs> uh, iconic song. Yeah, uh, I think Garth has to be up there. Yeah, um, all time um, selling music artist. I think he would be on the Rush Mount Rushmore of most states. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, and three, uh, I would have to put. Um, Leon Russell as mm -hmm. just uh, the Tulsa sound and the church studio and all that. And I think number four is definitely where it gets kind of interesting. So I, do you have any thoughts on that? Is the fourth slot, can that be like vertical? Can we just do like a stack? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Four or five people just up and down. That would um, be a really interesting uh, tourist yeah. vertical. It'd, it'd be like a total, oh, you know. If you want to have some uh, visual interest with your rush, you don't just go, you know, horizontal. Yeah. You want to go vertical. Connect um, more, uh, <laughs> more, yeah. I think, you, you know, that's the thing which is so interesting to me because it's like you think about people and especially in the last uh, even 20, 25 years, you know, never mind 40, 50, however far back you want to go. Like the roots, so many of the roots of popular music, to your point about Woody Guthrie, you know, are so deep in the state that it's like, well, what about Charlie Christian? Well, what about the Gap Band? Well, what about, well, you've got Carrie Underwood. Well, you've got the Flaming Lips. Well, you've also got, you know, all these offshoots that for some people have generated, you have Esther Drang, you have Samantha Crane, you have, like, you can go on just naming people forever and ever. And it really turns into Reba. You know, it's like, I'm probably going to forget 20 people. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it's just, you, you have to think about like, and that's something that I had, like, as I've, you know, gone on living life, being aware of things or whatever, just like you try to think about like kind of that whole scope of Oklahoma. And it's just like, it's really difficult 
to <laughs> point to you know a person a sound as being like definitively i mean i think Woody Guthrie probably gets closest because mm-hmm. it's so much of like what he said like the way he just carried himself what he sang about how he did it the different modes he worked and all that stuff like i think that's he's the most identified oklahoman i honestly would probably say you know i would make a case for the lips but i could be talked out of it because there's just another half dozen people you could very easily swap in and make it be just as you know there's christian chenoweth i mean all these different people who have had all this impact across so many different genres baker i mean yeah i mean it's like and 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 across so many different genres as well uh to to be that impactful and and again you're absolutely right i think there's a lot of people even in our own state who who don't necessarily know or appreciate how how vast the the impact of oklahoma artists has been yeah i mean you've got people you know like oklahoma artists are being sampled all the time people are out doing co-writing sessions you know in nashville new york or la or whatever you estradine is you know had a hand in some of the biggest hits of the last 10 to 15 years you know it's just everywhere you turn every conceivable you know jazz pop theater you know, wherever you want to go yeah like oklahoma is a profoundly influential uh state when it comes to music i mean well all culture not just music but like music specifically it's it's just it's such a it's truly a crossroads which is a thing i think a lot of people tend to think of as a pejorative but like in this instance it's true you know it's like i not for nothing did bob dylan who's been as influential as anyone say this is the place i think it was a symbolic thing you know for him to pick oklahoma to plant his legacy really because that that to me is the biggest and strongest indicator of the depth and breadth of oklahoma's influence well you know i think you're right that when you talk about a crossroads and uh i think that kind of gets thrown in with the way people sometimes will talk about flyover states or you know middle america and it's like well absolutely yes that um but but a crossroads is also a meeting place and it's Mm -hmm. also where uh, where so many of these different genres uh, and, and and producers and writers and singers, and they've all kind of come together and met here and mm-hmm. been influenced by each other. Uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, one thing that probably we haven't really discussed as far as the that list is Red Dirt. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's one that, that gets, um, that is certainly very popular and has yeah. had a, a huge impact as far as uh, spreading Oklahoma's uh, music industry uh, around the country. But, um, you know, again, you talk about people who what a what an interesting community that mm-hmm. that created itself and then built off of itself and then mutated itself uh, and has gone in every different direction. For sure. I mean, you got like right now, Zach Bryan is one of the biggest names one of the biggest rising stars you know in all of music not any just specific genre you know and it's like and he came of age in Ulaga, so he was exposed to all this stuff as he's growing up and now he's going out and making waves and you have you know the the impact of these people you know the the long shadow of cross canadian ragweed you have the you know people that have lived long enough now to be influencing new generations that are taking the lessons of what you know red dirt started and just turning it into something else incredible i think is somebody like john fulbright you know is a great extension of that where it's like you don't necessarily go red dirt but like if you 
listen, you know, it, it's all there. And so yeah. that's to me kind of the beautiful thing. And Ben, like your thing about Leon Russell, he's somebody who, you know, is very much an extension of that. I think he came at it from his own angle, but you see sort of that long tail of his influence, even in, you know, the red dirt guys all the way up through, you know, today, you've got just this, it goes back to that idea of just profound influence in a way that I think kind of to your point, Greg, that, that people take for granted. They're just like, Oh, well, it's, you know, so-and-so at a bar, but like, that's where the seeds of this stuff start. You know, that's how this grows and turns into yeah. this thing where all of a sudden people look around and go, Oh, whoa, <laughs> this was going on the whole time. You know, and I, I never, I don't ever want to be one of those, like, if you, if you didn't love them when they were small, you don't deserve <laughs> to love them when they were big. But the truth is that, that heading to those bar shows um, mm. and seeing somebody who, who may not ever play again, or seeing somebody who this might be their last show before the record contract comes through. Yeah. It, it is, it's a profound uh, experience and, it, and it's, and not just for, for the listener, but also for the artist. Um, yeah. Having that bar full of people uh, sitting there listening, not listening, um, can have such a huge impact. And, uh, and but that's all part of really what I love about the Oklahoma music scene: um, little towns, big towns, uh, you know, huge venues. That that's one thing I, I did kind of want to wonder uh, about your thoughts on um, Oklahoma City and Tulsa, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, but also Enid. We've seen some fairly large new uh, indoor venues uh, opening as well. And we're seeing a lot of um, uh, tours, concerts that used to skip Oklahoma entirely that are yeah. now going to play here, you know, two or three times, depending. For sure. And I think that speaks to, you know, the changing demographics, obviously, for one, you know, the, the influx people that are moving to Oklahoma, it's a destination for people in a way that might not have been 10, 15, 20 years ago. So with that comes the ability to sort of have these. And this is something for as long as I can remember, it was always just sort of, well, why are we an afterthought? Why is it going to Denver or Houston or Wichita or wherever, except for here? Yeah. And now that that's happening, I mean, I think that's just another piece of that infrastructure that, you know, it gives the people in those bar shows you're talking about they can look ahead and go oh well i can come back in you know 12 to 18 months and play that thousand cap room or then i can come back after that and play the 2500 or the 4000 you know it's like you start to see how you can have a career how you can whether it's you know superstardom or if it's just making a living playing music oh, yeah. it becomes a tangible thing you don't feel like you have to leave to go have the life you want to have it's it's um I, I am more associated with the with um, our local music industry maybe now than I was in in what should have been my prime. But uh, let's be honest, I never had one. Uh, but I, I'm getting married soon. And my um, my new wife uh, is in a band mm -hmm. and uh, and plays out all the time. And and there are all of these bands who are they're kind of like friends with each other and they they play double shows or little you know, uh, and it, it's, it, that is really awesome to me to see these guys who it's like, you know, this guy's an electrician and, and, uh, this guy is a former pastor and, uh, and they get together and play blues and they're going yeah. to and they're going to, uh, they're going to medicine park. And, um, it, it, it really is interesting 
because I think Oklahoma has evolved that that infrastructure for uh, for music in a way that that we didn't before. And, and that's that comes down to a lot of people uh, who I think, just like you were saying, Preston, who were frustrated, who, who yeah. would see this stuff passing us by and and not get it. Like I when I was a kid, it's like, who was the who was, you know, the big name that didn't come that I was like, man, I never got to see those guys. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I always, you grow up in Oklahoma and then you get out in the world and you meet people from other places. Like, Oh, I saw, you know, fill in the blank band 10, 12 to however many times, you know, and it's just like, Oh, I've never seen because they never came anywhere near. Yeah. You know, but hearing you talk about the band supporting each other and infrastructure made me think of, uh, so there's Loop Dick who back in the early two thousands, um, he was in a band called Red Bud Revival. And then eventually what he did was he moved to New York for a spell, but then landed in Nashville now, obviously, <laughs> his life has taken a turn, but this was something that he and I would talk about back then. And this is like oh uh, five, oh six, oh seven, like back in the dark ages. And um, he would always kind of lament that he knew there were opportunities, but he felt like he had to go to to Dallas or to Austin or to Nashville. You know, like he couldn't find what it was that he wanted to do. And clearly he's turned that into, you know, his life's work. He's now a working award-winning songwriter in Nashville, but like documentarian and documentarian. Yes. And he, you know, it's, it's been, so it's like that, that to me is kind of that long, long view of it where, cause then, you know, I've spoken about it since then. He's like, my things would be so much different for me if I was doing what I did then in Oklahoma now, yeah. just to think about how much, you know, opportunity is available to people that just wasn't even there before, you know, and so it's just interesting to think about how, you know, someone like that took a look around then and was like, ah, I got to go yeah. <laughs> because I can't get anywhere here. And so, you know, that's, I think that's just so much less of a factor now for oh, people. Completely. Yeah. That's one of the, uh, really, I think maybe a major Oklahoma success story is, mm-hmm. um, is we have built up these industries, uh, the, the, entertainment has a place here music yeah. has a place here yeah. um and it you don't have to be the biggest star in the world and you don't have to be just starting out you can be at any stage and still find a place to play in an audience to listen to you yeah. um, and, and that ownership like the yes. state feels a sense of of pride and of ownership and of uh willingness to have some skin in the game and like help build that up and and connect people and and push them out into the world in a way that it, it hasn't always had and i think that is a really encouraging thing because that's you know people at a certain level saying this matters this is a, an important part of our identity this is an important part of our you know place in the country in the world and all that stuff you know it's like and i think people respond to that and see that and go okay you know if they're gonna commit i'm gonna commit i'm gonna you know stay here do the work and and pitch in and be part of this it's music has become not that it ever wasn't i think but it is a much more apparently um integral part of the fabric of oklahoma life um well uh Preston, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, so great to get to talk to you. And uh, I, I hope we can coach you uh, to come back on again. 
um, because uh, we're all loving the Sounds Like Oklahoma column. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I hope everybody uh, picks up the uh, March-April issue. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about uh, some great outdoor venues, uh, but, uh, but also just, you know, hey, get a subscription because you're going to want to read this every month. Uh, Preston, thanks a, a lot, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All righty. Thanks so much, guys. Man, Preston's great. That was a really fun interview, too. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely agree with him on that feeling that you get outdoor venues. There is something really special about kind of the energy mm -hmm. of the crowd and, and being out there. I know you've seen a ton of shows at the Zoo Amp. I uh, love, yeah, I saw uh, I saw that famous Flaming Lips show there. Um, yeah, I've seen a ton of shows. Willie? I, I, no, I didn't see Willie there. I saw Willie in Dallas. Oh. Um, but I saw I saw Robert Plant and Allison Krauss and um, the True Colors tour, which was like the B-52s and Joan Jett and Cindy Lauper and um, a ton of other people. It was a really, really good show back in 2008. So, yeah, it's a, and I just recently saw um, the, the Chicks and Patty Griffin. Yeah. And that was a really good show. So it's a it's a great place to watch, Absolutely. To watch uh, live music. If you have not yet received it in the mail or headed out to your local newsstand to pick it up, our next issue will be out soon, and it's got a great little feature from uh, Preston about mm -hmm. some uh, some wonderful outdoor venues in Oklahoma, uh, as well as a lot of other great fun things mm -hmm. to do outside, which you uh, hopefully will all enjoy in this next issue. Preston's got a column for us That's this right. year that he's writing about all things Oklahoma music, so be sure and subscribe. and. <laughs> get that all right and <laughs> it's now time for us to once again plumb the depths of travelok.com's calendars for our weekly pod vents and first up this week is ben look i like chicken fried steak and onion burgers as much as the next guy but if an oklahoma town wants to really stand out in this beef state they're going to need to get a little creative and try frying something else that's why I have to commend the frederick oyster fry and craft show this saturday <laughs> from 11 a.m to 6 p.m but wait, Ben, you ask, are you saying that Frederick the Oyster fried this craft show? <laughs> and to that, I respond, no, that is absolutely not what I'm saying. To be clear, the Oyster Fry and Craft Show has been a tradition in the southwestern Oklahoma town of Frederick for more than three decades. This decidedly non-coastal community trucks barrel upon barrel of those delicious shellfish that's a hard word to say. Shellfish from the Gulf Coast for a little taste of the ocean's bounty to those of us locked up in land. You can eat them either fried or oyster-powered in the half shell. That's a Ninja Turtles reference. <laughs> All right. Uh, the feast also includes hush puppies, fries, uh, coleslaw, and beans, and we serve 3 to 6 p.m. in the Prather Brown Elementary School cafeteria. Still, you're going to want to get there beforehand to check out the arts market and craft show beginning at 11 a.m. Many people also use the festival as an opportunity to check out Frederick's shops and museums, including the Pioneer Heritage Town Site and the expansive Crawford Taxidermy Collection. Admission is $20 to $25, which includes food. And remember, if you bite into what you think is a pit, you might want to take that to your local pearl dealer. <laughs> For more information on the Oyster Fry, call 580-335-2126 or visit frederickokchamber.org. 
my sister-in-law's from Frederick, and supposedly that is just an amazing. I have never been, but it sounds like a really really I've fun been. event. It's, have you been? It's really fun, and the oysters are very good. I got the fried ones. I did not get the non-fried ones because mm. I'm a little weirded out by the texture. <laughs> Understandable. But it was a really really good time. Am good. I the only one who's who? I, I'm. Hush puppies, man! I, know, I love so Why am I not getting? Why are why are hush puppies not at more meals around here? That's I a really good question. Why? why? <laughs> you won't like it. Deep they're fried boring. Pork. <laughs> no, you they're can so make good. They're so make, wrong. You can put jalapenos in them. You and can put cheese. corn oh in them. You can put so cheese good. in them. No, I will say if you add, if you put corn and cheese in hush puppies, then they're good. <laughs> <laughs> but so Megan, not a fan of the hush puppies. You know what? I'll have yours. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. Okay, because I love all, them. You can have all my hush puppies, Nathan. <laughs> so, you heard you, it here first. Yeah, if, if you ever see Megan refuse to give Nathan a hush puppy, you bring this podcast call up to her. <laughs> call, yeah. call the police. Uh, Nathan, what's your event this week? Uh, it's a good one. Uh, have you visited OKC's Capitol Hill neighborhood recently? If your experience of this fantastic Southside area consists entirely of grill on the hill, which to be fair, is one of our favorite breakfast places, but also really good all day long. Just a legendary, amazing restaurant. Um, but if that's the only reason you've been down to Capitol Hill on the south side of Oklahoma City, may I suggest you broaden your horizons a little by attending the OK Scene. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce that. OK Scene Latino Film Festival, Saturday, March 4th and Sunday, March 5th. This annual festival celebrates the Latino influence on filmmaking and has attracted international attention, screening films from Mexico, Spain, and South America. This year, the Saturday Night Showcase also will include a collection of short films made by local teenagers in the Youth Cine Latino Youth Film Institute, which sounds really cool. And if you haven't ever watched a short film program, make that your homework, because short films are the best. I really love short films. Uh, they're whole movies for people who, like me, struggle to stay awake and attentive and out of the bathroom for an entire three-hour epic. I hate that when you're like, what did Ant-Man do? Like, what did I miss? Um, Batman versus <laughs> Superman versus that big cup of Versus Pepsi that exactly, I had. I know, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's a really good reason to watch short films. Uh, and while the Saturday night program at the Yale Theater requires a ticket, the Sunday afternoon screenings at the Capitol Hill Library are completely free. So check out this affordable, fun, and fascinating event. Tickets and information are available by visiting Historic Capitol Hill. That's all one word, but Capitol is with an O, C-A-P-I-T-O-L, historiccapitolhill.com, and clicking the Play tab at the top of the page. Megan, what do you got for us this week? The most beautiful sound I ever heard. Leonard, Leonard, Leonard. All the beautiful sounds of the world in a single word. Leonard, 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 Leonard. He may not have written the lyrics for West Side Story, but famed composer Leonard Bernstein did write the tunes. While he's popularly known for West Side, Bernstein's resume of music and accomplishments is vast. He was the first American-born conductor to lead a top-tier American symphony orchestra, the New York Philharmonic. On March 5th, after you take in the special late night with Leonard Bernstein at the McKnight Performing Arts Center in Stillwater, you may find yourself composing your own romantic ditties to this prolific American powerhouse of song. Bernstein's daughter Jamie will host this cabaret-style performance with soprano Amy Burton, composer John Musto, and pianist Michael Boriskin. Jamie will tell personal stories about her father, and audiences will hear audio clips of him and see a film. For more information, visit mcknightcenter.org. I thought you meant Leonard Nimoy for a second. 
Leonard. I had to do a lot of Googling because I had no, I was like, I don't know. I know the name Leonard Bernstein, but I was like. Look how much we learn doing all this every week. Like, I I didn't know that he was the composer for West Side Story or that he was just so prolific, as I said. He's a big deal. So is Leonard Nimoy, but he's not going to be, yeah. And then let, don't even get me started on the real Dr. Spock and his baby books. Um, <laughs> Carly, what have you got? Have you ever been to a birthday party that would be great fun were it not for the spoiled child being celebrated? Everyone loves cake and bouncy castles, but sometimes listening to some brat scream about how they wanted a ballerina Barbie, not a Malibu Barbie, just isn't worth it. You might just be in luck, though, because at the Museum of the Red River in Idabel, they throw an annual shig dig honoring a creature that has been dead for about 113 million years. Welcome to Acrofest. On March 4th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., dino devotees can party like it's the Cretaceous period, with dinosaur movies, crafts, snacks, and games. There also will be special presentations from the clever girls and guys of the Dallas Paleontological Society. It's kind of a shame that Acrocanthosaurus atokensis, the state's official dinosaur, won't be in attendance, but considering they were about 37 feet tall and had a mouthful of four-inch serrated teeth, that's probably for the best. Visit museumoftheredriver.org for more info. I think Acrocanthosaurus will be there in spirit. I hope so. Also, great Adam's Family Value reference by Malibu. Barbie. Two of my favorite movies right there. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Clever and, Girls was yeah. good too, yeah. Well, all right, Greg, what do you got, buddy? Well, Chickasha is a fun little town with good food, good people, and at least on March 3rd, a murder expert. <laughs> Oklahoma history buffs and true crime enthusiasts won't want to miss it when the Giles Symposium on Citizenship and Public Service at the University of Science and Arts Oklahoma presents author David Gran who wrote Killers of the Flower Moon about a string of murders of Osage people with rich oil reserves on their land. And that's not even all. Audience members will also hear from author and attorney Hannibal B. Johnson, who chairs the Education Committee for the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre Centennial Commission and has written a number of books on the uh, Race Massacre as well. Admission is free, but registration is required, so head over to usao.edu and click on Arts and Culture and Speaker Series to claim your seat online. I want to go to that. I know, right? That sounds like so much fun. Well, the sound of your Oklahoma Today staff eagerly awaiting the upcoming film version of Killers of the Flower (laughs) Moon means that this episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast is coming to a close. But if you can't get enough, head over to oklahomatoday.com and pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to OKTPod at TravelOK.com, and we'll talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tours and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elbow, Carly Ivara, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production help by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye. That was fun. Clever girl. <laughs>